Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Cranked and Ranked. Uh, That's right, the podcast or YouTube video series that you love uh, with your two friends who rank things, uh, uh, band discographies, or (laughs) like today, uh, uh, sometimes we do our top five or ten favorite albums of a particular year. And uh, this particular year uh, that we're going to be talking about is 30 years ago, 1992. Um, So we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be doing our uh, top 10. I'm getting over a cold, folks, so uh, bear with me. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so our our top 10 albums of 1992. What are you doing? I'm checking the the cardioid on the mic. I'm just... (laughs) I'm making sure it's the right one. I forgot it I was just, on camera. It, from from the from the from the point of view of the camera for, for the people that are watching on a, or listening on a podcast, it's like he was about to fillet me. <laughs> I charge extra for that. Oh shit. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, cranked and ranked is the podcast. I'm your host, uh, or I don't I don't I don't co-host. Uh, the the guy who does the intros. Um, old head or Steven with me as always, Eddie Sparks. Sup? Nineteen ninety motherfucking two. <laughs> Top ten of nineteen ninety two. This one was fucking hard. Yeah, that's what she said. Whew. Damn straight. <laughs> so like we we narrow, we narrowed it down to a top ten. Mm. I I had to leave out some of my favorite albums. Narrowing it down to a top 10. And then you said you brought along some honorable mentions, which I didn't do, but um, you'll probably be mentioning some of mine. But I I just had to Mm -hmm. leave them. I had to cut it down to 10 and go and walk away because otherwise... We, 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 I'd be postponing this episode for like weeks and be like, look, I, it's not quite ready yet. So, because <laughs> 1992 is chock full of mm. amazing albums. And yeah, I did. We might as well just jump right into it because this is, I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about a lot of these because I think you and I both really love this particular year. And, um, we're, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about some of the same albums. I know two for sh- three probably off the top of my head four for sure that I think we're, are going to be on both our lists. We'll see <laughs> if I'm right. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's let 1992. I was 13 going on 14. I was negative six. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like this is a real strong year music wise because genre wise, everything I love, was at something of a peak, you know? The glam yeah. bands were still making albums that had the big 80s production. Grunge bands were putting out their strongest stuff. Thrash bands were going into that really cool, you know, it's probably not 
a good way to word it in a thrash sense, but the radio friendly thrash era is just something I adore because I love yeah. the fact you got the heaviness, but you also got the hooks and you know, that middle ground right there, that is like, if I was a, if I was music, that's what I'd sound like. It's just yeah. this era. Yeah. It was, it was a big deal for me because I was, it was a big year of really beginning to discover music. Cause like I, I had already discovered things and usually it was like on accident or I just mm. saw it on MTV. But I think by the time I was 13, I really started to dig in to like magazines and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's really when I started to like realize that, you know, I, I love heavy music. I love thrash metal. I also love this new shit that I've discovered. That's like the alternative rock and grunge sound. Um, you know, very soon after that, I would get into even heavier things and all, yeah. all all along still being into like hip hop and stuff like that, which like all that music was thriving in 92. So, um, mm -hmm. this'll be, this'll be fun. So uh, let's, let's just fucking, uh, let's, let's jump into our top 10 because like, I, I, I'm really curious to see where, where we're going to, where we're going to meet up because, uh, there's, there, there's a, there's a few that for sure I know are on your list. So let's cool. do it. I just want to state for the record, just, just before we begin, because it is such a huge part of my life and basically shaped my personality, the fact that 1992 is 30 years ago means the events of GTA San Andreas are set 30 years ago. Oh. When, when the game came out in 2004, the events would have been 12 years ago. Yeah. I was six. And I just think it's fucked up that through the passage of time, the game itself is closer to that time period than we are now <laughs> to the game's release. <laughs> you know, that's that's wild. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. We old as shit. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's, one, one, one of us is getting up there. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's dive in. Let's All right, do it. Let's do. Let's in. do. What's your What's your number ten release of nineteen ninety two? My number ten album of nineteen ninety two is the self titled debut of Rage Against the Machine. All right, holy shit balls! This record, yeah, is it. Not only is it awesome from start to finish, but it means a lot to it, me because it, like, it's so, it's so interesting <clears throat> that you you mentioned the album and it is one of those albums. You know, when you think about certain albums, the first notes of the album immediately start playing in your head. So you're mm -hmm. like, "Rage Against the Machine," and my brain goes, "Yeah, yep, yep, there it is." Oh man, like the the thing about this in particular was. The fact that it perfectly bridged the gap of me previously being a rap fan transitioning into heavy music. And so yeah. I'd heard Du Hast by Ramstein and Cigaro by System of a Down uh, through, you know, various means, you know, Guitar Hero, the Internet and whatnot. And I eventually just started hearing this stuff and think, this is really cool. I want to I want to check this out. Well, after a while, you know. Uh, me being about, you know, 11 and listening to a little bit, you know, too much Eminem, a little bit too proudly to the point where I knew like every word and started to know what like every word meant. My mom was kind of like, okay, I'm going to put some sanctions on this shit. Like, um, 
so I was only allowed to like really listen at the time to some of the tamer Eminem stuff. But in speaking that, speaking speaking of that, that's kind of a timely reference for for America on the day that we're recording this because today in in uh, America is uh, a thing called the Super Bowl. Oh um, shit! And uh, and which is something I give I don't give two fucks about. <laughs> but the the halftime show is like Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar. That's other people. I don't. I quite remember everybody. That 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 alone is enough for me to go like that. That that's definitely something I'd like to watch. Do I have a television channel that will pick that up? No, I got to wait for somebody to post it on YouTube tomorrow <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But um. But yeah. So you're gonna. You know. It's and uh. That I mean. I, it just popped into my head. I'm like, yeah. That's that'll be an interesting thing to. Because honestly, I give. I don't care about football. I rarely care about who's playing the halftime show. Mm. And so I'm like, well, this this seems pretty damn cool. But <laughs> it also brings with it that really funny thing where uh, in America, it seems like now I'm not talking about all of you. I'm talking about just a select large number of you seem <laughs> to be OK with the fact that um, uh, black people are playing the game that's entertaining you. But when it comes to the halftime show, we, mm. we would rather not have any black people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you man. see, there's a lot of that on the internet, yeah, which is really <laughs> funny. And um, oh well, let's move on. So let's get back to the, <laughs> <get> the machine. <laughs> so yeah, the um, as I was saying, it's a great bridge for people who like hip hop to get into heavy music and absolutely, a, yeah, a pr- appreciate like the grooviness of how like you know heavier riff can be and stuff like that because so much of this album could have just been like a a hip-hop song yeah but it boldly went in a band direction instead of you know sticking to the standard thing yeah and and that's why that's why i always get bummed out when people call it rap metal because i'm like yeah there is Mm. rap metal but this is just like band a rap band Mm. they play rage against the machine music like that happens to be heavy yeah yeah it doesn't it never like when they started saying rap metal i was like oh i get that that's like Mm. you know that just seems like stuff that would come later on that was full-on rap metal um but obviously (laughs) they were they were directly uh influenced by rage against the machine but um i think it's it's unfair to label rage as uh rap metal yeah because like they're you know, and this is not me discrediting rap metal as a genre, but yeah. there is a there's a certain creativity and and breaking the boundaries of what your very instrument can do with Rage Against the Machine is you know, in the guitar department, is that, you know, Tom Morello turned around and said, There's enough shredders in this world. I'm gonna make my guitar sound like a G Funk sample, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. 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 I, I love that. And uh, my friend Dan, who I went to college with, his favorite band is Rage Against the Machine, last I checked, and Tom Morello is his favorite guitarist. And I don't blame him one bit because, like, God damn it, the dude is... He's undeniably... When you hear Tom Morello play, even if it's, like, the weirdest fucking sound he's making at the time, you know it's him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's great, and he and uh, I, I I think he's a great guitar player. He a lot. I think a lot of people always try to point out we're like what he what he plays isn't necessarily hard. He uses a lot of pedals, and I'm like, oh, well, that's not the point. Like he never yeah. he never came and said listen listen to the really intricate difficult yeah. stuff I'm playing. Like he just write the next know your enemy asshole. You know, yeah, it's exactly. just a, it's just a it's just a vibe. Like he he gets the vibe across that's needed for for these songs, and it's like mm. he writes some. He writes some riffs that if you break them down, they're really simple, but really effective. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the mark of a great guitarist for me. And shred doesn't necessarily translate to good or memorable, which is... Oh, that's what, very true. Which is what this entire album is, is just memorable, heavy, groovy stuff. Yeah. And yet... It's one of those albums that is both incredibly socially conscious, but you could still fucking party to it. Like, yeah, which I is just, probably why a lot of people don't even realize they were ever political. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tom Morello should stop po- stop indoctrinating <laughs> his fans on Twitter. And it's like, have you never read the lyrics at all? <laughs> If if I've learned anything over the years, it's that lyrics are completely meaningless to most <laughs> listeners. It's so. Just it, mouth sounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a killer album. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the track list in here real quick. Bomb track, killing in the name, take the power back. Like that's that in itself is a trio of just yeah. ass kicking, self for nothing. Bullet in the head, know your enemy, wake up. Wake up is my alarm in the morning. But oh, I, is it? I edited my own version in Logic. So it, it starts at the exact point. It goes, wake up! Nice. Yeah. And like even the deeper you get into this album, it's so consistent, but it has still so much to give you, you know? And it, well, it, it, it ends on arguably the strongest song on the album. Oh, freedom! I mean, that's a fucking ender right there. Like, yeah, that just, that just demolishes everything. You might as well not listen to another album after that. <laughs> yeah, is it is it Fistful of Steel or, or Township Rebellion that has that kick ass cowbell part in it? I love that as well. Oh, that's like, on, that's in that's freedom. Is it in freedom? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cuz remember it stops and he does the anger is a gift. He does that that's, like at that's that part. The one. Yeah. Although his 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 voice is a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been oh. sick for two for for a week. I don't I, I've probably mentioned this on the show, uh but I have a funny story to tell about know your enemy is uh my mother was knocked out in a mosh pit to that song. <laughs> no way. That's yeah. awesome. There was a there was a rock club called the Bauji uh, in Nuki, which which was like it still kind of is like where everybody goes to kind of party in this county. Yeah. Um, it's a very coastal town. There's like clubs and that. But during the early '90s, the Bauji was the place to go if you were a rocker, and that place had a fucking killer playlist from what I know. But there was a dude in like an American flag painted on the back denim vest long hair wayne's world 
gasworks looking motherfucker and he was just like going absolutely crazy and the last thing i think she said she saw was just this blonde mop flying at her face and then she woke up outside the club on her back with the bouncer basically reviving her but i i just love the fact that <laughs> like that had to have had some sort of you know genetic influence eventually yeah yeah clearly <laughs> so um, I, thought you, I thought you were gonna say she was at a rage against the machine show which would have been even cooler but you know it's it's the it's the sentiment i guess of it all hey if if you're knocked out to a song you're knocked out to a song that's true that's true that's I, the, i've never been knocked out to any song so you know i can't i, I can't even say that i've passed out to a song but you know that was just drinking <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, okay. that is, that's my number 10 rage against the machine self-titled. So I actually, for the benefit of our viewers on the YouTube side of things, I actually just brought my vinyl for all of them, all of my top 10, um, just for a little visual niceness, but you'll, I think you'll see, cause yeah, you, you that was a pretty good start. That's a pretty strong number 10 and mm. you'll, and you'll, you'll probably agree that my number 10 is also very strong. You'll probably think it's too low. But this is what I'm working with here for my number 10. <laughs> my number 10 is Countdown to Extinction hey, by Megadeth. Nice. And um, I'm just, you know, hello, look, look, this is the record. Countdown oh, to Extinction. You can't see it at home, but this the is... The rear cover. It's an, o, it's an OG copy, so it's none of this... Mm. Like I always have to say when I talk about anything Megadeth, fuck any reissues that have ever been done. Even the more recent remaster where they... They didn't fuck it up quite so much. It's still brick walled and sounds awful. <laughs> Stop that shit. So anyway, countdown to extinction. It, it's just a really great. It's like it 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 does what you were saying about the thrash metal bands just started to make metal music. Mm -hmm. There's thrash elements on on countdown to extinction, but and it, I don't know. I love the grooviness that was brought together with Nick Menza. Mm -hmm. And it's all over that album. Um, and it's got, you know, it's got fucking classics. Fucking, you know, uh, uh, what's that one song? Symphony of Destruction. Yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> and then one of my favorite Megadeth songs, Architecture of Aggression. Oh. Not to mention I Sweating Bullets and... And I might as I might as well say this now. It's my number nine, so we can just we can just slam this part. Wow! Together. No, I thought it would be higher for some reason. Here's here's the thing. I love this album, but yeah. I like you know. In case anybody hasn't uh, heard the Megadeth episodes we did, check those out too. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the '90s stuff as they would progress, yeah. and. I, I do love this album, not as much as some of their other '90s output, but yeah, don't don't worry, it's 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 not yeah, it's not it's well, not below risk. <laughs> yeah, but I just I just love and I love the way the album sounds. I think that's the biggest mm. reason I got so bit out of shape about the remixes because it's Rustin changed. Rustin, but yeah. Rust in Peace and Countdown to Extinction to me sound mm. perfect. They they're yeah. that perf there's that perfect range of dynamics to where you can turn it up really fucking loud and it still sounds amazing 
Whereas mm-hmm. they changed it to this thing where you turn it up loud and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just amateurs trying to fuck with shit that, um, and I think this is Max Norman that did this too. Yeah. Did, pr- produced by Dan Mustaine and Max Norman, which Max Norman, I think worked with all kinds of bands from hair bands to mm. what have you. But um, hey, Norm, it's not crank the knobs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's it's a great sounding album. I love every song on it, but I had to go with my gut with a lot of these, and that one just ended up being at number ten. Um, yeah, it hurt a little bit, but you know, I think I, like I said to you earlier, like I just had to like put them in the order that felt okay, and then walk away from it because it yeah, you I could just be, you could spend the rest of your life rearranging this list because Pro- it probably probably it's not worth know, it but none of it would be wrong with the amount of fire that came out of this year you a- know? absolutely so yeah so so your thoughts on counting up no extinction i mean it's it you can tell that there is something of a you know their answer to the black album thing but all of the thrash bands were doing this yeah um, and i i'm all for it you know, stripping back a bit and actually ushering in my preferred era of Megadeth. Um, I would include Rust in Peace in the, because I just love that lineup yeah. of, um, you know, the two Daves and Menza and Friedman. Like, oh, like that was just, that's peak Megadeth to me. Uh, but like, you got Skin of My Teeth, Symphony of Destruction, Foreclosure of a Dream, like that. That groove in that song, dang, dang, dig a big, dig a dang, dang, dig a dig a dig a, like, oh, still gets me to this day. Sweating Bullets was the first Megadeth song I ever heard, and it was on Guitar Hero 5. Interesting. And that's the thing. I remember hearing it, and I was like, this is like heavy, but it's like bluesy in a weird way with like a (laughs) really crushing breakdown. Like, oh, and Ashes in Your Mouth, what a great closer that and is that, a great closer i love the like part oh um and that really kick-ass acoustic solo part in uh high speed dirt yeah you know, i look forward to that moment on the album just because it's so sassy like well see that's that's the one thing i love about that era of a lot of those bands that they just did shit that they didn't even necessarily have to do they were just like here's an idea let's just let's do it because we can do whatever we want we're not tied to these rules yeah that everyone seems to be so crazy about and that's when i'm on the mic i can say whatever i want to (laughs) i uh but yeah i think the, the best music comes about when you're not trying to play by somebody else's rules. And so mm-hmm. that's when albums like Countdown to... to Mike, is it so hard to say that? Countdown to Extinction is uh, that is uh, a good album. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's my... That's your number 10, my number 9. So I'm, I'm just bouncing straight back over to you. Uh, all right, on to my number 9. My number 9, um, <clears throat> moving out of the metal... Going to move into move into the punk rock world. Oh, uh, for uh, I absolutely love this album. Um, and um, God, okay, I can't. It, when I think about my placements, I'm all like, "This is nine? Okay." <laughs> uh, the album is "White Trash: Two Heaps and a Bean" by No Effects. My nice. my favorite No Effects album, and it is 
fucking awesome. That's what I'm going to nice. say about all of these because it's just, it's no effects at the, the era of no effects that I love the most. They did two albums in an EP that to me were like the, the perfect combination of what they were doing because they got this new guitar player. Well, it, on rib, they had the old, uh, an older guitar player, but then they got this guy, El Jefe as the guitar player and they did it. They were almost like crossover thrash punk, mm. which I'm sure that they would hate that. But <laughs> that is, um, that's why it appealed to me because it's mm. not just, I have a mohawk and I sing with a snarl and I hate everybody. Like that's, <laughs> it's not that kind of punk, which, you know, later on, no effects would get a little more simplified with what they did. And I don't like it as much, although I still am a fan. But this point here where they were still being pretty damn technical for a band that mm. claims to not be very good. Um, and and it's got it's such a varied album. So many different interesting styles. Once again, a band not playing by the rules. They're not trying to sound just basic punk. Mm. And um, that's why I love it. And that's why it's my number number nine. Yeah. <laughs> White trash, two heaves and a bean. I need to I need to really catch up on uh, no effects. So I, I guess we'll do an episode on them at least this year. Hopefully, sure um, we can do that. Uh, the, the, I think the two bands of that era that I would really like to do is either no effects or Propagandi. Cool. Um, but either one, I'd be perfectly happy to, to talk about because I love both those bands. Nice, cool. So my number eight is. An absolute game changer. Vulgar display of power by Pantera. Awesome. Does it get more revolutionary in early 90s metal than vulgar display of power? Like maybe, you know, you could lump Cowboys from Hell in with that too. You know, the, the Black Album also is like massively successful. But like when it comes to influencing what would come after it there is no denying vulgar display of powers power over the listener because it's yeah like, it, it definitely had a huge influence on what was to come yeah because it has what would be thrash songs but played at this like tempo where it's almost kind of like danceable and it, there's always there's always that Philippe Chansomo quote. Philippe <laughs> <And clears throat> Chansomo here. I've been in every fucking band. I can tell you, pan fucking terrorist, second to fucking non motherfucker, heroin needle in my goddamn <laughs> dick. <laughs> uh, but like the, why don't we just make every song the money riff and. I love, so so to be <laughs> fair, your Dave Mustaine and your Phil and Selmo are kind of crossing over. Yeah, yeah, it's going to turn into uh, Daveville and Selmstein eventually. Mustaine. They'll eventually become one entity and swallow humanity into a giant hive mind. That combo name that I made up sounded kind of dirty, Phil Mustaine. Phil Mustaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> I smell a fan fiction. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but work. yeah, 
oh, this this album, dude, like from the very moment it opens, like you can tell that they've shifted gears once again because because Cowboys still has residual 80s qualities, even though yeah. it's even though it has moved to that groove feel. It's still very 1980s in its production, you know, and I'm a big fan of that, but I understand why Vulgar Display of Power hit different mm-hmm. was because it still had, it still sounded big, it still had space, reverb in places, but it was fucking tight as a nun's asshole where it needed to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of the moments on this, like, my god like just looking at side a of this alone mouth for war a new level walk i mean walk straight up is the prime example of simple but incredibly effective um fucking hostile is basically a thrash song uh but it still has that hard hitting you know kind of clicky drums real punch in the fucking face um feel to it then you get this love, which you know, in in a strange way, it's like kind of the most brutal ballad of all time. <laughs> like, yeah, like where it's it's spooky and mysterious and and smooth, but then it kicks off, and you've not only got that digga da digga da digga 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 part, but then the breakdown. Yeah, yeah. Like in this song, it is you know, domination will always be the bar. Yeah. To which, you know, metal breakdowns are judged. <laughs> but the one in this love, the just like proved that slow could be just as cool as But they but they fast. play that breakdown one once like one time and then they play it slower the second time. Mm. Oh, it's it's brutal in the yeah. truest sense of the word. Rise kicks ass, uh, no good. Attack the radical. I mean, awesome. Live in a hole. Regular people. Conceit. This is a this is a two <laughs> two two bracket songs album. Um, uh, uh, by Demons Be Driven. One of the like most boss moments I have ever felt in my life. Like everybody else probably thought I was an asshole, but like when I first got my new car and it wasn't a piece of shit, I stuck on by demons be driven and drove through like where i live cranked just blasting out like i have a new fucking car fuckers <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you guys can't pick on me anymore for owning a voxel corsa that had basically rotted away and then i was just driving through the streets like dig it again that like i i was like mad into pantera uh during a a a time in second year of uni yeah and the uh all of the all of my girlfriend's uh flatmates could hear me like a mile away going like before they even heard the engine of the car coming (laughs) down the street like even if I had my windows up, they were like, "Oh, Will's coming!" <laughs> Just announce my return, and then, um, of course, you got Hollow, which is somehow like this touching, heartfelt power ballad 
which goes into absolute insanity. And it's like, it's got a few remnants of its era, but it stands out as timeless, I think, you know, because yeah. you can pretty much you can pretty much point to any modern metal band and, and you can trace a lot back to what Pantera did in the nineties. Yeah. And it's, it's so wild to think when you hear something like this love to think they started out as pretty much just like a Def Leppard (laughs) sort of early Def Leppard sort of thing. Yeah. It's a lot. A lot of people don't like to think about that. Um, which is interesting. That's why I always find it so funny. Like I, you don't see it as much anymore, so it makes me happy. But people used to do these things where they'd make these huge collection of of thrash metal logos, and they would put yeah. Pantera on there, and it'd be like, <laughs> yeah. "What you're telling me? If you're putting Pantera on a list with thrash metal bands, it means you ignore everything except about ten songs, maybe." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, straight up. And so you know, luckily it's not there. But we'll, we'll, we sh- we'll talk about them more because I have a feeling. Are, are we? Is that, is that one we're planning on doing this year? Is Pantera it's, in the works? It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, because we we really need. We want to tell you when. That we, I'm surprised we haven't <laughs> talked about them already. That seems yeah. like one that's our, we should already have dove into. But we will, folks. We will. Mm, for um, sure. That'll that'll be exciting. Are you done with uh, with vulgar display? I'm done with VDOP. All right, cool. I'd see the, the the variety of stuff on here is interesting and shows why '92 was such a great year. Um, another band that we already did, we did a ranking of this band really early on, but this one had to be in my list. And this is my number. Are we on number eight now? No, my number eight. Uh, America's least wanted by uh, Ugly Kid Joe. Who? 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 This. <laughs> so this is more. This is a very personal choice because. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to be technical and picky about like songwriting and all of this stuff, you could point out a whole lot of flaws about not only Ugly Kid Joe, I guess, in certain respects, but also that album, America's Least Wanted. But I talked about it on our ranking. This was like, you know, if I was going to make a list of albums that sort of defined me in high school, like America's Least Wanted is, is one of those albums same. And I still, <laughs> I still really enjoy it. It's, it's, it's one of the few albums that, from beginning to end, just sort of transports me back to being young. And I, that, that's a thing that I feel like I should just, I, if I ever meet, you know, anyone from Ugly Kid Joe, I'd be like, thank you for like giving me that because there's other mm. music that I love from when I was young that doesn't have that effect on me. But America's least wanted absolutely does it just from 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 note one of neighbor i'm just like oh my god it's like it just has that feeling and it's just it's just a really fun album you know it's got you know it's some people like to turn up their nose at the cats in the cradle uh cover but i always looked at it as like once again they were a band not playing by anybody's rules so like why wouldn't they do that? Because they're not just a band that like, you know, I think they're, they're, they're unnecessarily viewed as like a band that was all jokey all the time, which Mm. they weren't. They had jokey elements, some jokey songs, but then they had songs that were just flat out serious songs and they didn't care if they, they could be funky on one song, metal on another song, do a cover of fucking cats in the cradle on another song. 
Um, so, um, yeah, it's a very important album for me, and I still love it to this day. But um, because of the strength of all the other shit from 1992 that I chose, it ended <laughs> up being my number eight. So uh, there you go. Ugly Kid Joe. That album is, is and, uh, it's, it's perfect. And it will be appearing again in this episode. Won't tell you. Oh, why. I had a, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that is a defining record of my yeah. of my teen years. God damn. Um, I'm super happy it made it to your list, dude. Because also, I don't know if I've ever shown you this, but if you look, the 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 track listing on the album on the vinyl is different. It goes yeah. from neighbor to come tomorrow. Goddamn devil is until side two. Wow. And, yeah, and busy so bee is, is like super early. Busy bee, yeah, yeah. Pandemonium Prince, busy bee, yeah. It, it's it's a little bit. Some of it is 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 you know the same, but it's, mm. it's switched around a little bit, and I have no idea why. The amount of versions of the album of of nineteen eighty seven by White Snake, the amount of different track lists that album <laughs> has is ridiculous. Like, I I think I've got a CD cassette. And two separate vinyl copies, and they're all completely fucking different. Yeah, I, I, I always try to figure it out because there, a lot of albums, especially from the early '90s, I found mm. the track listing will be different, or there'll be songs completely left off of them. Mm. Um, and sometimes, obviously, it's for running time because albums got longer. But in this case, they just switched them around, and I'm like, well, none of their songs are necessarily super long, so they didn't need to switch them around because one side was longer. I, I have no idea. <laughs> but either way, it's cool because it's like a different experience with the album. You you can listen to it on CD or you know your streaming services one way and vinyl yeah. on another way. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah, awesome, awesome. Number source. seven. Number seven. My number seven is probably what I view to be the most underrated album on my list. It's a deep cut. The Lizard by Saigon Kick. Nice. That is a good one. This, and, and there's a reason for this, and it's pretty much the same reason uh, Ugly Kid Joe are here too. You got hair metal. You got groove metal. You got alternative. And they're all coexisting. This is the 90s we could have had if the suits didn't fuck the 80s bands, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the fucking, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the song called? I can't remember the the second song on the album. That one is a fucking grunge song. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, where are we at? Uh, Hostile Youth. Hostile yeah. Youth. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh, like just looking. I remember when I first heard this album. I think I was on. I think I was driving to uni, and I had a. Uh, I had a playlist that I stuck a bunch of albums in, and yeah. I shuffled it. And at the time, I wasn't really, I was I was deep into the uh, kind of glam thing. So I wasn't really looking for anything grungy. But this album just hit different for some reason. And I figured it yeah. out. It's because it nailed both down the middle. And it gave me the feeling that it gave me the same feeling I got when I first heard Ugly Kid Joe. And I was like, oh my God, it's that feeling again. Yeah. It's been years since I felt this. And now I have one an, another one of these bands from this era with this vibe the and and the album's pretty lengthy too it's got a decent amount of songs on it and it rules like this is one of those long albums yeah. 
you know, about 54 minutes. And yeah. It doesn't ever get boring, though, because they switch it up. Yeah. I mean, they go from grunge to Beatlesque to a fucking power ballad, essentially. It's, a, it's like an acoustic one, but still, you know. Yeah. Also, Cold Chamber has a lot to answer for because Body Bags is like the riff from Loco is Body Bags. There are some there are a lot of great examples of of bands in the later in the 90s who I guess heard stuff and they those bands didn't go anywhere and like well we can nick that riff I guess. And then there are people like me shaking their fists like, you need to give them some credit, you assholes. <laughs> but there's just something so cool about this album. Um, you know, plus it's my favorite color, green. So hell yeah. <laughs> yep. Good artwork always helps. But uh, this sort of sound, I feel deserved to stick around longer than it did. Because yeah. almost every moment on this album is a 10 out of 10 to my ears. And yeah. like, oh my God, I remember the first time I heard this. And even now when I stick it on, I'm like, good God, what absolute perfection. Like they, it's like they looked into my mind and it was like, okay, Eddie, what do you want to hear? This straight yeah. up. Well, yeah. I think, I think that, yeah, I, yeah, I don't really. It, it, I mean, obviously the album did fairly well because "Love Is on the Way" was a hit. It was, a, you know, it was Love played on MTV is a lot. On the way. But um, I feel like with a lot of these bands, like if 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 they, if you were too varied, you got lumped in with one side or the other. And unfortunately, yeah. bands like Ugly Kid Joe and Saigon Kick got lumped into the uncool side of things. Um, even Extreme, in my opinion, was unfairly moved to the uncool side of things but I, I guess that makes a lot of, it makes a little bit more sense with extreme mm. but um so it sucks but that's the one thing that i don't miss like you know we talk about how great and varied the music was and you know and the people that i knew we were into whatever Open but there was a gro- yeah. there was a growing amount of people some of them who were actually in bands who started to draw a line where all mm. of a sudden you know Every you'd see live performances, and it was all it was was bands talking shit about other bands. And I'm like, don't yeah. fucking do this. Just play your goddamn music and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like I would rather you like I'm I'm one of those people. Like I'm perfectly fine with you having a political opinion. Get up there and tell me you're voting for president. Let me know. Let me know like how you feel about gay marriage and whatnot. I don't care. Just let me know. But if you're just gonna talk shit about other bands, you look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so just even if they're a band that I agree is shit, just shut up. So. Yeah, I, f- I feel like there comes a point and th- this even happened to me. You know, I'm not going to turn around and say I didn't have my shithead elitist phase because I think everyone at some point, it, you believe that your music taste is gospel at some stage, even if it like happened briefly. For me, it would have been to an extent in college, but that had gone pretty much in the last, uh, well, the first kind of year of uni where I realized, ah, the world doesn't revolve around me. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, really now it's like, no, no one's forcing me to listen to pierce the veil. So why should it bother me that pierce the veil exists? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why uh, I just don't say anything about it. Cause I'm just like, there's so much music that I don't like. 
and it would be I would have to create an entirely different channel where I just talk about the hundreds of bands that I think are bad. (laughs) (laughs) But you want to know something funny about this album is that my favorite song of all of this album, and this is me as a metalhead, all I want is my favorite song on this album, that really Mm. trippy kind of ballady one, because it's just such a well-written anthemic vibey thing and it's just yeah it fits perfectly but i can't quite place why i mean this band is kind of like if you took you know alice in chains and jane's addiction some heavier kind of grungy and groove metal kind of tendencies but gave it the hooks of the hair metal stuff yeah Oh my god! Like it's like a recipe I I cooked up, but uh, yeah, it it it's kicks ass. The lizard by Saigon Kick, my number seven. Yeah, seven. so far so so far we're we're either agreeing, we're either you know you're either talking about albums that I'm I'm talking about or albums that I go absolutely it should be <laughs> on this episode. All right, so god damn it, we're getting into so much good shit. Um, <laughs> I'll just go to it. My number seven. Is that where we're on seven? I get so lost. The self-titled album by King's X. King's hey. X. Uh, which is their f- f- fifth fifth album. Yeah. Or was it fourth? Fuck, I don't remember. <laughs> um, my brain is not doing well right now. But um, this album is great. Um, whenever we get around to talking about the King's X discography... This will be one that I come to and say, well, they were kind of still doing the same King's X kind of thing. They they weren't varying it up too much. But as an album on its own, it's got so much good shit on it. Yeah. So many great songs on it. Um, it's got the song Junior's Gone Wild, which would appear in the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. Nice. Also the uh the single Black Flag that came out from this from this uh album. But um it's one of those things that if you know King's X, it sounds like a King's X album. It's produced very similarly to the King's X albums that came before it. <laughs> and um, they're just an amazing band. And this is one of those albums that it still, it still puts together all the things I love about how they can have really heavy, down-tuned type shit with Beatlesque harmonies. I hate the term Beatlesque, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, on top of it. And you know, odd time signatures are just interesting, interestingly written songs. They don't they they kind of created their own thing real quick, mm. and um, it's interesting that this album kind of came out in '92 and wasn't really embraced at a time when bands that were directly influenced by King's X were experiencing a lot of success. Out like your shirt there, Alice in Chains. Yeah, um, <laughs> they were influenced by King's X. Um, but for some reason, the King's X album, I mean, it did it relatively well for them, but, you know, they never broke through as as a, a big band and they should have been. Mm. And um, honestly, I think by this point, they already should have been huge. But um, that's a discussion for another um, ranking episode, which eventually we'll get to King's X. But, you know, that's that's what I'm, that's what makes me so happy is that we have bands that that we've planned to do, you know, within the near future. And there's so many other ones that I'm excited to do. So I'm just like, man, yeah. we have so much stacked up that's going to be fun. Real uh, content for years, dude. Hell yeah. 
literally so yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. My number seven is uh, is King's X. Um, it's just a fantastic album, and uh, and yeah, it had to go on here. So there you go. Cool. Uh, so that brings me to my number six. All right. Now I think this is going to be probably the biggest deviation. Uh, the biggest difference is in us taste wise because this is a band that hasn't quite clicked with you over the years. Okay. But this album in particular is a fucking masterpiece of its genre. And I have gone for images and words by dream theater. Okay. All right. This is a staple of prog metal. Like this is often regarded their their opus um, this is the one that has pull me under on it it is the one i know and, that song <laughs> yeah, yeah it's got it's got pull me under another day take the time metropolis part one the miracle and the sleeper uh it's got under a glass moon surrounded wait for sleep learning to live it's only eight songs but it clocks in at almost an hour as per prog uh, yeah. So, but this album, you know, Dream Theater often gets criticized for having, you know, kind of wanky sections where it's, yeah, you're showing off, <laughs> like, for the sake of it. But this album doesn't feel like that at all. Like, everything yeah. is there on purpose. And they're good songwriters, too. Like, the, the parts on this album are insanely memorable there's catchy moments and there are there are like moments on it that stylistically i think would i don't know if you've listened to this album all the way through i i have it's been a long time though yeah see that that's the thing when i hear this album i'm like pull me under is a classic another day is an awesome ballad and then you get take the time which is kind of funky and i love that each song has again that cohesive you know that this is part of this overarching thing, but each song brings something to the table. You know, Pull Me Under is this epic opening track, Another Day, Power Ballad. has like a saxophone in it. Love it. I love the fact that it goes from like Kenny G to like a <laughs> fucking solo. And it's, it, yeah, take the time again. Like I say, Surrounded is like super happy, like sounding. Uh, but Metropolis Part 1 is the real highlight of this whole record because it's like every moment in this song is just masterfully crafted and it's it's very much similar because we're doing some prep work for a certain band. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. When, we're, when, we're I, when a, I say prog, what do you think of? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a certain uh, four-letter uh, band that begins with R that isn't Rat. Uh, rash. Um, rash, yes, Rash. <laughs> <laughs> They're a recent entry. <laughs> and they do 20-minute prog opuses about different STDs. Man, you're, 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 really, you're giving way too much away. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, blah, 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 blah. so Im- so my my thoughts my thoughts on dream theater though like i like i think yeah, out of all their albums that's probably the only one i've heard which but it's been a very long time 
Well, mm-hmm. except for I did hear I did hear their most recent album, and so I don't I don't know I can't say anything about older Dream Theater, mm-hmm. but I can say that like, you know, if anybody watched the old Bollocks where we talked about the Dream Theater album that just came out, I I talked about how the thing that bothers me about it is that Prague means progressive, which means yeah. constantly moving forward and pushing boundaries is what I believe that Prague is supposed to mean. But now Dream Theater and a lot of other bands like them, they no longer push boundaries. There's a prog checklist, and they don't do anything else except for what's on that fucking prog thing. Because if they don't do it, then we're no longer prog, which is the least progressive attitude you could fucking have. Yeah, I would would say Dream Theater has had kind of a... They have a core sound, and they do largely stick to it, but I will say you listen to their albums and you can tell that you can kind of tell when they came out because they are again they have that core kind of dream theater sound but like you listen to like one of their early 2000s albums and you can tell there's a little bit of that dirt 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 like new metal ish kind of riffing and then in recent years you know john Petrucci's added a few strings to his guitar and they're playing kind of genty riffs every now and again. You know, I, th- I think that's cool. But I I do understand, you know, knowing that they're such a... I mean, it's a vast discography at this stage. And they're known for pretty lengthy material. It, you know, eventually when we do get around to doing them... Because I do want to take it on. Sure. It's going to be quite the, quite the journey. But, uh, yeah... I will say that the the similarities between them and Rush are up apparent at points to my ears. So well, yeah, they're they're very much influenced by them. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying in terms of uh, I mean it's it's no secret that we're going to be talking about Rush pretty soon now that we've you know uh, kind of yeah. gi- given the given it away. But uh, yeah. that's right. yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited to take that on at some point. Maybe maybe later this year. Yeah, who knows when that's going to happen? Yeah. Um, are, are you done with with uh, with your number six? Yeah. Yeah, I'm oh. I've, I'm all done. Cool. Let's round out. Let's round out the, this uh, best bottom half of 1992 with our uh, first uh, hip hop album. Which nice. Um, there was so much great hip hop happening around this time that something had to be included, and this is one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. Uh, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side by The Far Side. And um, if you know, you know. If you're a person that listens to hip hop, I probably say "Bizarre Ride," and you or you're nodding your head, yes, <laughs> because it's fucking fantastic. It is a fantastic album, and they were there was a handful of bands that were doing this, I guess, for lack of a better term, alternative hip hop, mm-hmm. where they weren't, they didn't quite fit in anywhere. They were goofy at times. They were experimental at times. Um, you know, De La Soul can be thrown into that camp. Um, but The Far Side, this particular album, is just so well done and takes you on a little journey and has these different elements, a little bit of jazziness here and there. Um, there is some humorous parts. There's some songs that are just flat-out amazingly well-written hip-hop songs. Um, but the whole vibe... It just feels like you're at certain times that you're just like hanging out in a room with these cool dudes making this badass music. And um, 
it's been a favorite of mine ever since it came out. Like it's just, um, there's a friend of mine in, in, uh, in, in high school who, uh, who had that album on cassette and he was just like, he was like, dude, this, listen to this track. And he played me the song passing me by off of that. And I was just like, this is fucking amazing. And I immediately went to the record store and bought the album, my own cassette copy of the album. Nice. And, um, and it's been a favorite of mine ever since. Like it was one of those, like when, like when I first got a car and it only had a cassette player, but I didn't have very many cassettes, like Bizarre Ride was one of the few that was a staple. Like if you're mm. in my car, there was a you know pretty good chance Bizarre Ride to the far side was probably playing <laughs> in there. But um, yeah, one of my favorite hip hop albums. And so uh, I had to include it. So that's my, uh, that's my number six. That's one I got to check out because I haven't heard it. And they, I need to change that. Yeah, yeah. Their 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 uh, album after this, which is called uh, Lab Lab Cab California, I believe is what it's called. I've never been able to. I always look at it and go, it makes my head hurt looking at that word. Um, but that <laughs> that album's also really good. After it sounds that, like my they're, sort of thing. They're kind of they're kind of a they they get they lose some members and they lose a little bit of steam for their next. Like I think they do two more albums after that. But the mm. first two fantastic albums chef's kiss all right man so now the but i this has been i i, I it <laughs> um we're gonna put you back to factory settings <laughs> yeah all right uh yeah the bottom half no top half the top five our top five albums of 1992 i have a lozenge in my mouth i'm sorry everyone <laughs> I'll, I'll take this portion. Uh, so my number number five, yeah. Well, we'll number five. Right. Number five. My number five is another underappreciated one. Set the world on fire by Annihilator. Wow. Okay. I think this is a crazy underrated album with a lot of different kinds of songs on it, and it is. The true definition of variety is the spice of life. And, you know, I think while this is not a straight-up thrash album, if you go into this expecting a straight-up thrash album, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. On the flip side, if you're a fan of the early 90s thrash bands doing straight-up just middle-of-the-road, we-can-do-whatever-we-want metal... And even some, I would consider melodic rock on this album. Yeah. Because there are some killer songs on here that I feel don't get the credit they deserve because they're not quote-unquote thrash. Uh, so without further ado, I mean, Set the World on Fire is a, is a groove metal. This is also like the the third album in a row where they have a different vocalist. So it's like <laughs> it's real funny because like I think that the first album they had that guy uh, Randy Rampage, like which is a a killer thrash name, and also he sounds kind of like a porn name too. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that he didn't go on tour with the band so he could keep his seniority at the dock works that he worked at or something like that and then wow. he came back to the band later on or something uh i mean i could be talking out of my ass that's just like a random thing i remembered 
And then they had another guy, I can't remember his name, I feel real bad. Um, but, like, he had more of a melodic thing going on. And then uh, Aaron Randall, I think, is the name of the vocalist on this album. And he's got, like, kind of a snarly, but still kind of um, very 80s, badass, heavy metal kind of kind of vibe. But it's, you know, obviously 1992. Yeah. But then you get no, no Zone has some real thrashy parts in it. Bats in the Belfry, again, awesome. Snake in the Grass is uh, is a good fuck you, you're my ex song. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and then Phoenix Rising, right? I am going to die on this hill. Phoenix Rising is a fucking amazing opus of a song. Uh, chromium dioxide this is where the feud begins i will defend this album to the death because <laughs> phoenix rising incredibly written song and then follow that up with night jumps queen super like catchy if you know kind of goofy heavy metal song it's still super fun <laughs> <laughs> you know sounds good to me now i will say like this is the point in the album where it's like oh wow they're really doing different stuff on here because this is like just a it's just a really nice song you know it's it's not heavy it's, at all it's the difference between people that go to an album wanting it to be a genre and then other people go to an album wanting good songs yeah that's how <laughs> that <laughs> that's how i would describe this uh that's how i describe this album is that it's got a real variety of stuff going on but i think songwriting wise they came into their own here yeah. uh uh the edge now the, the edge is like <laughs> i love the fact that in 1992 like this became an edgelord anthem <laughs> it's like it's, you learn it on the street you can't learn it in school it's the edge you know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, don't bother me is very technical thrash there's some insane guitar playing in this like the the riff in this i can't wrap my head around it's like <laughs> like how many notes did you just get through in a second um but the thing i i love is that not only on an album where you have kind of two power ballady kind of things you could argue you've also got brain dance which is one of the closest things to a mr bungle song from a non-mr bungle band i have ever heard like the lyrics are like a ren and stimpy cartoon and there's a part in the middle where it goes absolutely insane like out of the fire into the frying and back in the pan again he jumped out of the frying pan into the fire and he's back again he's back <laughs> what yes he's back and he's flying through the air like what is happening but um yeah also dragon force totally ripped off one of the riffs from this song to make through the fire and flames I will. I will also stand by that. I don't think anybody's trying to argue that Dragon Force is is original. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're great guys, but that, sure. that riff. There's. There's no. There's no way. You know. Doesn't isn't the guy from Dragon <laughs> Force the singer? The old singer. He's now the singer of Skid Row. Am I right? Is he? 
I, I think I the, didn't know. I, I think the original singer of, of of Dragon Force is now the singer of Skid Row. I might no, be wrong I, about that, but I, I think I heard that. I don't know. I I I got to catch up on Skid Row. I don't know what they're up to. We'll, right we'll now. get to them one day too. Yeah, for sure. See what I'm saying? Be, so many cool things happening. For sure. But yeah, this, in my opinion, grossly underrated record is. Um, it, I, it's it's I gotta listen to this because when you talked about it before, I had the same reaction where I go, "This sounds like I would love this." Yeah, and, you, and you, I you would, <laughs> and I'm so like like not I, I the, the the annihilator stuff that I've heard especially recently is really turned me off to <laughs> trying to listen to them back in the day, <laughs> and and just the fact that like. Alice in Hell and Never Never Land are albums that have songs that I go, yeah, and other songs that I go, ah. And so um, it just keeps me from really getting into them, but this sounds like one that I might really enjoy. Dude, this this album, if you liked uh, if you liked The Ritual, if you liked Force of Habit, I do. if you like, obviously you like Countdown to Extinction, there is fun to be had here. And I know I sound like I'm trying to pitch this to you like it's like a conference or a business meeting. That's or all right. No, it's a this this is the all these things are things that make me want to listen to it. So I I I definitely will. Yeah. Like it's it's one of those, dude. It's, or maybe it's I should maybe I them. should wait till we do the Annihilator ranking in <laughs> in in twenty twenty five. But there's so many vans we gotta get through. Yeah. I mean, this will be a long-running show. I mean, apparently, uh, no sign of us stopping. Not till we run out some, of some people. Years. Some some people will be very happy about that. Hell yeah! Um, all right, my my number five. I'm gonna be real quick because you already talked about my number five. My number five is "Vulgar Display of Power" by Pantera. <laughs> I don't really have a lot to add. Like this album was one that came out and. I don't, you know, to me, it wasn't like a game changer or anything. It was just an album where I, I, I was, I was blown away at like how many memorable parts there already were listening to it for the first time. Yeah. Like, it's almost like metal earworms in this album where the first time I heard it, like I left the house and was, and still had shit from the album, like in my head. And I'm like, that's something great about that. And it's, it's just been a favorite of mine ever since then. And I just, I, I, I like the, the middle ground of heavy, almost hardcore kind of shit with, uh, whatever they were doing, melodic stuff. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're kind of like, you know, they're, they're kind of like the early example of hardcore getting fused with, metal so that's you know you obviously phil i know this is more of a image thing but phil did the unthinkable and shaved his head you know <laughs> and then which, later shaved tommy lee's head <laughs> yeah which, you know which is wild because he was like the big hair guy you know so yeah it's it's i think it's an amazing metal album and it never gets old and it's banger central from beginning to end yeah so um but we, you know we'll talk about about that album more when we get to our Pantera ranking. But it's my number five because I just think it's a fucking motherfucker of an album and I love it. Vulgar display of power. Moving on to number four. Okay, okay, Miss Mac. Okay. 
So, my number four. Now, my four and three are interchangeable any day of the week. All right. And it, it this is kind of foreshadowing because they're very similar in vibe. But my number four is the album on my shirt. Number four? Oh I know, God. right? Okay. All right. All right. Like, number four. Dirt Dirt by Alice in Chains for people dirt. listening at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing an Alice in Chains dirt shirt. Dirt shirt, people. But yeah. Uh, I mean, what can I say? This is an absolute classic in the yeah. true sense of the yeah. word. Like, right the way through, this album is like weird left turn after weird left turn, but it works. Yes, yes. And um, every song on here has one fuck yeah moment while also having this like dark sad aura around it all at once and it's like listening to it now knowing many years ago i mean god lane staley would have died 20 years ago this year so was it 2002 it was 2002 but yeah. like th- this album you you hear it in the words of a lot of the songs where you know he's low-key accepting his fate to an extent but it's like it has a sad aura around it but i can't help but feel oh these songs are amazing them bones down that river rain when i die down in a hole sick man rooster junk fucking rooster dude like I was I was talking to my band um, about like should we throw a cover in the oh, set? He's a, oh, he's in a band. I am in a band, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in a band. I got all the chicks. <laughs> Actually, no, they get passed up because you know I have no money. But uh, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, like also. I know we've done an Alice in Chains uh, two-par. Go, go yeah. check that out too. Very, er- very early on. That was that was season one. That was 2020. First year of the yep. pandemic. Oh, wow, how how time is flying. Yeah, um, things yeah. got so much better, didn't they? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little bit, but Junkhead, Junkhead has what I believe to be one of the most beautiful guitar moments of all time. And it's that kind of guitar solo where it's just like the melody. Oh, yeah. Like whenever that comes on, I get this like gut punch feeling of God damn. It's great. They were feeling some shit when they wrote this, but then it immediately hits you with that down, down, get down, down. And it's the album's really Sabbathy. But it's also very alternative and grungy. Yeah. So when it hit when it hits you with a riff, it's like fuck. You can hear the Iomi running through it. But it also has this like weird alternative off kilter vibe a lot of the time, especially in songs like Godsmack and Sick Man, where it's like this. This sounds. It's kind of like how Primus will write something that any other band playing it would just sound wrong. <laughs> yeah. But when they do it, they they know what they're doing with it, and it builds tension and and 
well, builds up to these releases, you know? Yeah. I think a song like Sick Man, if it had come out like in the 70s, it would have been considered psychedelic, you know, mm. the the style of that song. That's the thing. This this album is almost like a 70s album with a late 80s, early 90s production on it. You know, sure. it's still very it's still very big. It's spacious. Uh, like Angry Chair really plays with that. It's still very reverberant. Yeah. But I just want to I just want to say here, right? Would top ten greatest songs of all time. I I, I agree. It is also one like, of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, like even though Facelift vibe wise is my preferred album. Yeah. Dirt the 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 margin between the my love for the two albums is like a point zero 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 one decimal like yeah i can i can binge the first four alice in chains albums you know sap jar of flies and the two lps back to back all in one sitting and not get tired you know i, I would say to an extent also the third lp but I'd have to be in the right mood to kind of keep going. Yeah. But I mean, I, I love that album, but for different reasons, but Holy shit. Dirt is just such an incredible record. And, yeah. it, and it just so happens to be that I'm in a certain mood right now that it's not number three, but on any day of the week that can flip. So this, this list is subject to change. To be honest, I, I I expected it to be at least number two. So that that's um, this is interesting. So uh, my number four, probably out of all of these albums, I would say this is the most influential to me as a guy that started playing guitar and started writing songs and being in bands. Um, because I still find myself ripping off elements of this album even today when I try to write songs. Uh, my number four is Meantime there it is. by Helmet. Yeah. Fucking amazing, amazing album. It's such an amazingly well-produced yeah. album, well-played album. It's got that, it's got, man, it's just fucking, it's just a groove that never fucking quits yeah. on that album. Ugh. And I love it. It's a, it was a huge deal. We, we, we did the Helmet discography where I, you know, I got really mad at Winona Ryder. um but uh yeah meantime is just one of those albums that you know not only do i love it but it's just it's played such an important role like i'd put you know it up there with like Nevermind as albums that influenced me musically like the things that i like to the things that come out of me when i want to make music because Mm -hmm. i whenever i sit down to write a song it doesn't come out sounding like metallica or anthrax and I don't know why. It's hmm. probably because I can't play guitar that well. But you know, <laughs> but it's but it, but there's certain bands that have that have, have that just somehow seeped into me, and they've kind of become the bands that informed who I am as a as a songwriter. And Helmet is just an important band. And Meantime is um, my favorite Helmet album. And hmm. uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't say much more about Meantime. It's one of those albums that. You know, I I think a lot of people know it, but I think some people might not. And if you don't, like, just just do it. It's not very long. Mm-hmm. It's like not even forty minutes. I don't think. Um, but it's yeah, uh, it's pretty brief. It gives you uh, a lot to chew on for for uh, being such a brief album, and it's 
God, it's just, it's, that's the thing. A lot of these albums we're talking about don't sound 30 years old. Mm. You know, it's like that, I, I talked on another episode about talking to, to my daughter where we were, I played her some Beatles and she's like, this music sounds really old. And I was mm. like, I was like, well, it is, it is really old. And you're talking over 50 years or whatever. And I was like, so how, well, how old do you think the Nirvana songs I play are? And she's like, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that says something about that, that like to younger kids, like hearing this stuff, like the production value of a lot of these albums holds up. It still holds up. And, and I think yeah. albums like meantime, they still just sound so fucking good. So yeah, that is my uh, I, numero cuatro. I was going to say as well, I think uh, bands that have a particularly stripped back aesthetic really thrived in the long run with the early nineties albums, because like they really hit a way to make things sound big and yeah. thick without it being brick walled to fuck. And it, you can still make it sound like it's just dudes playing in a room, but it sounds so authentic. And that's, that's what I love about meantime and, and helmets nineties work is, which is, which is funny because yeah. a lot of these are albums, especially, you know, meantime is one, but there it's like, like at a certain point, people were calling those albums overproduced. <laughs> and I'm just like, look, just because the, it's not, compressed all the fuck yeah and like and and they and took sucked all the reverb out of the room like like what do you what is what do you want it to sound like like they're playing in a closet like sure i guess if you want but you know it's good it's in a studio it's gonna have some element of production but uh yeah i mean there are i, I mean the, the the term overproduced to me is already kind of funny because it's just like well it's a fucking recording it's a recording yeah. of an album <laughs> it's not a live performance so, Listen to a fucking bootleg recorded in someone's like suit yeah. jacket. I don't. I fucking almost know. feel like, like the, the term "overproduced" is like terms that people that want to sound like they know what they're talking about will throw around. Really nitpicking the stuff to. And sound they ba- they barely listen to any music at all. But when somebody brings up an album, like oh, by the way, that's very overproduced. <laughs> Did I mention that my favorite film is Citizen Kane? Um, they're just really fucking boring people. The um, glasses push really completed <laughs> that. That was fucking incredible. Would you like to come back to my house? Because I have many jazz albums on LP. <laughs> oh, God. It's oh, yeah. Which guy. ones do you have? I don't remember. I just bought some. <laughs> this is a very exclusive club. So exclusive. Nobody is allowed in. <laughs> uh, um, so I, so, so under your... Oh, God. We're on top three now. Yep, bronze medal. All right, so so I'm gonna go ahead and say that I know what your number one is, um, but I'm really con- concerned about your two and three placement now because you already blew out what I thought was gonna be your number two. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? And I know some grunge purists are gonna really chew me out for this one, but my number three, because of its personal significance to me, just barely beat out dirt. Core by Stone Temple Pilots, my number three. Yeah, I had a feeling this would be on here. This is one of the most unfairly shit-on debuts in rock history. Like, labeled as a Pearl Jam knockoff, they were the band it was cool to hate on. But that being said, 
Core is a fantastic grunge album. And I don't it's, care it's, what. It's, I think even in, even in opinion, it's aged well. I don't think it gets yeah. as much hate as it did at the time. Yeah, it, it, that was just like a sensationalized thing by you know the the music press and you know people people are always so quick to jump on bandwagons like we said with Saigon Kick and Extreme yeah. getting kind of well mm. it's also that thing where people people seem to forget that like a lot of these most most I would say ninety nine percent of the bands were actual bands with actual people who got together who wanted to play music and started in clubs. And yeah. whether or not whether or not their trajectory was really quickly, or they played for years and then blew up with a really huge album, they were still legitimate bands. And so yeah. the fact that so many bands were looked upon like, oh, it's just the corporate machine turning out same sound alike yeah. bands. I'm like, well, the bands may sound alike, but they're actual bands. Yeah. Like have you con- have you considered that's like saying everyone's an ACDC ripoff for playing power chords. That's yeah. like yeah, it's it's like one of the most redundant fucking arguments in history. It's just yeah. like this band sounds like this band, so it's a ripoff. And it's like, <laughs> it's like that's like calling every other thrash band uh, a a discharge ripoff for using the D beat. You know, yeah. it's it's, know, so it's 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 kind of, you know, it it goes along with like it just made me think of this that a lot a, a lot of people like that. Um, Greta Van Fleet band and I don't <laughs> I don't particularly care for them but um my my issue with them has never been with them so like you know people you know complained that they sounded like Led Zeppelin ripoffs which a lot of I, I don't know about their newest record because I haven't heard it but there's a lot of shit that I'm like whoo man you were really <laughs> like copying off someone else's homework here but that's not what bothered me, because if that's what you want to do, because it already happened before. Wasn't the band called Kingdom Come? Isn't that what they were called? They already, there's already been bands that did it. <laughs> so I don't care about that. If that's what you want to do as a band, you're a real band of real people. Boom, do it. Mm-hmm. The problem, the thing that I hated was dudes that were all my age were like, finally, some great rock and roll music is back. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck <laughs> you. Because there's legit really good shit out there but they pick the one thing that sounds identical to shit that's already come out to be yeah. like, this is rock and roll is back. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's a new character we need to add to the, <laughs> add to the thing. We've we've both got grumpy boomer characters now. We need ah, yeah. uh, we need to call them something like the Swanson brothers or something. I mean, Some- I mean, I, I, it's, it, it's, it is the same. It's uh, all these people that I talk about. They're all <laughs> that guy. It's like the Greta Van Fleet's great. Why do they gotta have hip hop at the Super Bowl? <laughs> it's like you know <laughs> anything that came out after 1973 is invalid. It's all the fucking. It's all a fucking Rolling Stones ripoff. See, your your <laughs> yeah. guy is a little bit older than mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think mine's. A, I think mine's like angrier, but somehow less intelligent than a caveman. I think, <laughs> I think mine's informed by the fact that a lot of these people are my age. And so it's so weird to be, you know, I'm almost 44. Next month I'll be 44. And it's it's so weird to like see people that are my age. And I look at them and go, these are old people. Like, why, <laughs> why do they act this way? Why do they look this way? Why do they carry themselves that way? What did the fuck happen? Like, you know, so I feel like I... <laughs> Something happened to me where I stopped at around 28, I guess. 
<laughs> you know, my, you know, I saw, I guess I stopped mentally growing. I don't fucking know. You could say that I haven't really grown since then, but, um, it's just weird to see these people that are like, it hurts. It, it bothers me. Cause I'm all like, no, we're supposed to be a generation of people that were like better than the generation before. Yeah. We're going to be better and more open and more, you know, badass. but it's, it's just the same old shit. You've become <laughs> the, the, the very force you swore to destroy. <laughs> yeah. Like... So that's why this shit bothers me more than anything, because in like, these are my contemporaries and they, they might as well be dead already. <laughs> <laughs> dead and bloated. Bam. Back, back to core. I'm sorry about that. Segway. So yeah. Uh, I mean, this album starts off with a real sludgy, groovy, edge to it uh, i i love dead and bloated i love how big and cerebral it sounds when it opens up but it's still very uh groovy and basic yeah. but it has this way of really exploding with the whoa yeah yeah and then comes back in but i just love how it just goes boom yeah whoop, and then the vocals on this album can be really soaring at points and then they'll like whoop, come back into a groove and then just bang ring out a chord or something you sound, you sound like that surfer guy and then i was yeah. like oh blah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that that uh kai dude i think his name was where he was like he got he was in this like hitchhiking incident where some dude tried to kill him and he like I was just like, I grabbed my fucking hatchet, bro, and just started hitting him in the fucking I don't, head. I don't think like, it's the same guy, but I mean, no. <laughs> sim- similar dudes. Yeah. That dude's in All that descendants dude's in jail. of Spicoli. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Did you ever hear about that dude? Um, while, while I'm on it, I know this is another tangent, and I know we're running a little long. Uh, Did you fine. hear about that? The, 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 um, I think his name is Kai. The like dreadlocked hippie hitchhiker dude where he gets interviewed on the news and he's like, I just grabbed my hatchet and I'm like, oh, just like take this guy out because he's like threatening everybody's lives here or something. But like apparently he got into another hitchhiking incident where someone recognized him, took him back to his place, drugged him, tried to I I, I know this is a this is a tricky word for YouTube, so I'll so I'll spell it R A P okay. E yeah. Yeah. the guy and um yeah essentially he managed to fight him off ended up killing the guy and now he's in jail because he killed this dude that tried to R word him maybe maybe he sh- well I guess he's I guess he's stopping for now but I'm like maybe don't hitchhike anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it just like it is that's one of those like life stories where it's like holy shit dude yeah. i can't begin to imagine like the stress of all that shit hitchhiking stresses me the fuck out don't do it don't do it but uh yeah i hate cool. being in other people's cars <laughs> yeah because other people's cars are gross most of the time yeah as as someone who used to be in other people's car guy uh i was that dude who had like a disgusting car i'm not that person anymore but there was a point with my old car the aforementioned voxel corsa that was eating itself from the inside out basically (laughs) the one of the i got a funny a funny car story i did a i parked on a hill 
said hill was like a 90 fucking degree hill <laughs> like it was like parking on a wall yeah and my friend was parked in front of me and we both uh had left their place he's parked facing me in front of me on this hill i'm looking up at him pretty much it was like the cockpit of a of like a spaceship <laughs> looking yeah. up at the guy i've got my foot on the brake now bearing in mind you know it's it's more normal over here to have manual the stick shift sort yeah. of setup. So hill starts are a little bit trickier because you've got to really ease off on the clutch and get that bite without stalling the car. Um, bearing in mind, I'd already replaced the oil filter on this thing three times within a 12-month period because it just kept exploding. <laughs> All right. I'm looking my friend dead in the face, smiling at him like, See, see you in class, and then all of a sudden, ping! I grab the fucking handbrake, and it comes off in my hand. <laughs> the whole thing is just off, and they're like, they're looking at me like, "Why aren't you going?" And it's like I can't get out until you. Go. I'm like, pull this thing up and point into it, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh shit!" And I, I couldn't, in all good conscience leave that thing parked anywhere but somewhere flat so i took it down to the bottom of the hill and needless to say i didn't go to i didn't go to class that day because my car had shit the bed for like the fourth time that month yeah <laughs> in the end i ended up getting a new car and i'm not going to dox myself by saying what it is it's badass it, it means new who cares it's new ish <laughs> well but yeah new yeah. to you New to, new to me. If I haven't seen it, it's new to me. Uh, so yeah, with that, uh, back to back to core. Core, yeah, <laughs> yep. Done, bloated, sex type thing. <laughs> garden, no memory. So I'm trying to get as much out of the way before I go on another tangent. But this album is one of those albums again where the vibe is so cool throughout, and it's got this weird weirdly big heavy psychedelic groove that they don't really have throughout the rest of their other albums even though i like other albums they did they never did core yeah again barring like a few moments on future releases uh which makes this album special to me but right from the beginning to the end like where the river goes this is this is just like a stick it on and vibe for like an hour album because it takes you to so many different places but it still has that chimey clean guitar over uh heavy riffs thing that i love from this era yeah and uh yeah as i said any day of the week it could swap with dirt for third place right now i'm in more of a core mood could be in a dirt mood but uh yeah with, without further ado, I'm gonna get off this album. Let you talk about your okay. number three. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great, it's a great album. So my my top three, legitimately to me, these are three of the best albums ever made in music. Mm -hmm. Period. Um, there, there, I, I, there, because like there's, you know, there are things that I clearly know are personal preference. These are three albums that. If you came to me and be like, oh, it's not really that, I'd be like, I, I'm not even talking to you anymore because you're literally Lies. a waste of my time. <laughs> um, my number three, Check Your Head by the Beastie Boys. Nice. Um, this is 
the best Beastie Boys album. Ooh. And um, this, this album has such a history with me. I think out of all of these, no, no, my number one also. Because um, some of these, like, because 1992 was the, or was the year that I finished eighth grade and went into ninth grade. I believe that was 1992. And so um, these are albums that, like, middle school discoveries and i just remember i was already into the beastie boys and i the video for for so what you want came on mtv one morning before school fate and i was just like this is amazing and it, to me it was like <laughs> nothing i'd ever heard before because it's like hip-hop with distorted vocals and i was just like mm. that's really weird <laughs> why would they do that <laughs> But, you know, very quickly went to go get the album Check Your Head. And Check Your Head is just like a lot of the albums we talked about from this year. Playing by nobody's rules. It's the first album where, like, they all picked up their own instruments. The majority of the music is made by them. Mm -hmm. And it goes from everything. There's a fucking punk rock song on it. There's more funky kind of stuff. There's straight up sort of hip hop kind of things. But it's just the most... Um, it really, to me, establishes the Beastie Boys as an amazing group, period. Like, not just, like, hip-hop. Because clearly they did License to Ill, which is a fun album and very cool. Uh, Paul's Boutique, which is a hip-hop classic. But this one, I believe, they just finally were like, you know, we're just let's just do what, what comes to us naturally. And it ended up being, like, one of the most, like, interesting albums and I still get such a kick out of the whole fucking thing. Um, but it is it is one of the best albums ever made. And um, it's my number three. And it's, god damn it, so it's really good. Um, eventually we'll do the Beastie Boys. That one's not one I think that's in our recent, our recent plans or, or come upcoming plans. One of those words. We'll get around to them. We will, because they, they have a, they, it, it's not a very big discography, but they have all sorts of great shit. Um, but to me, Check Your Head is the best. So that's my number three. Cool. So my number two, we have already talked about it, so I won't camp out here too long. Okay. But my number two is America's Least Wanted by Ugly Kid Joe. All right. And this is the absolute embodiment of what I adore about the early 90s rock and metal era because it's this healthy mixture of grunge aesthetic and kick-ass hard rock. You know, I have, I affectionately refer to it as Wayne's World music. A, because <laughs> everything about you is literally in the movie. But B, because it could be enjoyed by fans of both grunge and metal and alternative. Yeah. You know, again, like I say, I would also lump Saigon Kick into the same kind of zone. Because they, they have that vibe where... Yeah, you can tell when it came out, but they aren't playing by any rules. They like what they're hearing, and they're just doing it because they know how to make good music. Um, a defining album of my teen years. Like, when I hear this album, I'm immediately taken back to when I'm, like, 14. First hearing this, like, all the way through. And just mm. thinking, my God, every song here, like, oh. Even, like, 
the album's deepest cuts, when I hear them, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll yeah. keep trying. And that like, or, or same, uh, same side, but there's just something, especially uh, we did do an ugly kid, Joe ranking, by the way, if, if you are so I think inclined. that was like episode three or some shit. It was early on. I think, I think it was like, I think it was like two months into us doing this or something. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty early, early on. on. Yeah. We made it, we made a conscious effort early on to cover some, some wide ground. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a killer album. And anyone who hasn't heard this album or has only heard the hits is doing themselves a disservice because this is a wildly enjoyable listen. Um, and it is probably the most 1992 album ever made. Like, <laughs> um, and that's what I love about it. It really, it, to, to, to me, it really is an album that sounds, that, that feels like, how I felt about music when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, very, yeah, it's just open to whatever. And um, I like, I like that about them. I already talked about that album. And we already also talked about this album. My number two album is Dirt by Alice hey. in Chains. Nice. Um, which I, I can't, I can't, we talked about it enough. I don't, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> classic album. One of the best albums ever made. Fan dabby dozy. Yeah, um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's an it's it's a, an album that it, it just it's yeah. Like I said, these top three are just like it's. I don't even know what to say about them anymore because they've been, they've lived with me for such a long time, and they've just they're albums that to me are beyond great. Like there are albums that are yeah. great, and then there's beyond great where it's just like I wouldn't change a damn thing about. The, although although the one thing I would change. Is that originally when the album came out? We probably talked about this on our ranking. Um, uh, Down in a hole was the next to last song on the album, and I like yeah. that running order a lot more because it really kills too. the momentum. With Down in a hole being number four, mm. but um, I guess that's I think I guess that's because Down in a hole became a hit, and then they decided to move the song up in the playlist. But that is that's the shit when I'd be like corporate rock rock and roll bullshit. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think? You can't. We can't make it through a whole album to hear the song. It's a fucking yeah. CD. You can skip to it. Are we just gonna paint the fucking Mona Lisa yellow so it's easier to spot? You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I, I don't know the reasoning for that. But yeah, Dirt Dirt's amazing. It's just an al- I don't even like to refer to it as a grunge album because it doesn't. It's so. It's, it's so. It's a transcendence album. It's. Re- it really <laughs> is. Like that's. It, it's an album that doesn't. Re- it defies categorization to me because it does have grungy elements. But like you said, there's a lot of different things going on, and I, I think that's probably why a lot of people feel very differently about Alice in Chains than they do about other quote unquote grunge bands. Mm. Um, but speaking of uh, albums that defy categorization, I, 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 I thought I knew what your number one is. And now I absolutely know what your number one is, and it's hey. uh, it's also my number one. So let's just go oh ahead. shit! If it yes, if it's, if it's I mean, if you bring up a totally different album, I'm gonna feel really stupid. But also, <laughs> if you don't bring up this album, I'm gonna be like, Eddie, do we need to talk? Uh, so <laughs> are go, you okay, buddy? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, and uh, and let's go to our number one. Faith no more, angel dust. Hell yeah. Best album ever made, people. Yeah. Hands down. Yep. 
And this and this is a really great version of the album too that does not have easy on it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it ends with Midnight Cowboy the way it's supposed to. Actually, no. I'm lying. I'm lying because <laughs> this version actually does have a secret track, which is easy. Ah, got him. This is the this is the music on vinyl version, which that's like that. Actually, even the the Alice in Chains Dirt is a music on vinyl repressing because those guys they do amazing repressings, and everyone knows how I feel about repressings. I fucking hate them, and I only <laughs> buy them for albums that I can't find otherwise, or they're too damn expensive. But if they come out and it has that MOV logo on it, I'm all like, "Fuck it." There's a nine out of ten chance that this is going to be a fucking quality release because not only do they they're very sturdy and very well made, but yeah. they recreate everything exactly as it was on the original vinyl down to the label on the record. That's awesome. So, yeah. so yeah. But anyway, if faith in more angel dust is our joint number one from 1992, I'll let you, uh, uh start off with it. I mean, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like the, <laughs> this, this album, like it took everything great about faith. No more. And, added Patton's insanity into the writing process and created this absolute opus of an album to the point where I don't think there is a single moment on this record lower than a 10 out of 10 because <laughs> like that's why that's why it was so hard when we did the grooved and removed and we had to take a song out of this album i'm all like no it's that's really tough mm. but like he, here's the thing and that here is probably the biggest generational divide between the two of us and i know what you're gonna say original track order didn't include easy but for me easy was always yeah. there yes yeah. and, and so here here's the thing the way the album runs I love that it closes out technically with Midnight Cowboy, but yeah. easy is this like kind of comforting after the credit scene where everything's okay, you know, because it's, it's a roller coaster of an album. So I, I think probably also I have a little bit, I, I like their cover of easy, but it's always really annoyed me because they leave out an entire verse of the song. Yeah. True. And I'm just like, why, why even bother to do it? Because like, <laughs> I love that second verse because that second verse has the everybody wants me to be who they want me to be. <laughs> it's just such a fucking, it's a great song. So I'm like, just add, just do the other verse. How hard is that? It's repeating the same shit. Patton can sing it. Anyway. That's the thing as well. I want to point it out. And this is like how nerdy I am about this album. I actually prefer, like the, the version a lot of people know from the video and i think from the ep is the cooler version where it's got all of the horns and strings and stuff in it i prefer Uh the stripped back version they just have on angel dust where it's like just the band with the piano and more stripped back it kind of feels like they're packing down after playing the album to you in this weird black and blue dark space um yeah there's a there's an unbridled creativity to this album that I don't think anything can top in terms of just sheer originality and yeah uh you know musicians a being at the top of their game b being complete weirdos that don't sound like any, anyone else 
And, you know, thirdly, making every song on the album just a banger that is so chock full of um, information that, you know, 10 years on, I'm still hearing samples for the first time that I never noticed before. Because some of the yeah. some of the parts on this album are so jam packed with like subliminal musical things, like the breakdown, yeah. the like the kind of dancey breakdown in um, a small victory. Only just realized there's a cash register in that, like in the last few years, like uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, if you look at the track list, like the first song I heard from it was uh, "Midlife Crisis" on the Radio X radio station in GTA San Andreas. Um, mm. Also, I want, I want this noted: how many how many songs in my list are, are in that game? "Killing in the Name," uh, "Them Bones," "Plush," and "Midlife Crisis." So this this list right here has uh four tracks yeah. that appeared in grand theft auto san andreas which were hugely hugely important to my musical development and uh yeah, yeah this album i mean we talked about it extensively on the faith no more episode if you want to go check that one out um but yeah this album holy holy shit land of sunshine caffeine midlife crisis rv like there's so many uh, something i love about this album is the fact that mike Patton writes these soundtracks or the band writes soundtracks and he comes up with a character to base a story around yeah you know rv yeah. is this white trash kind of guy uh malpractice i believe is about you know cosmetic surgery that goes like horribly wrong uh, Be Aggressive is about, you know, man-on-man -man oral, which was technically written by Roddy. But how cool is that in an and, era, and, and, you know... And, and now Roddy has a group called Man on Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. Hell yeah. 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 But, like, even, like, on the Grooved and Removed episode where I decided to remove Crack Hitler... That was a gun to my head scenario, and that's solely based. Same with me. For, I I chose yeah. kindergarten, but that was a that was also a like. Well, I got to pick something. So, mm. and like I fucking love kindergarten so much. Like of of all the of all the songs on the album, this one is the one where I picture the artwork the most. And there's yeah. just something about how airy it sounds and how it feels like you're kind of floating. Uh, yeah, like th this album is an experience, dude, and every song brings something new to the table and i am astounded every single time at the sheer quality of not only the songwriting but the boldness and the creativity of the entire thing the fact that i'm this is my favorite album of all time hands down and i still find new things in it that I didn't know were there is yeah. is a testament to just how genius this thing is. And I feel even more yeah. blessed that we have like four straight hours of uncut studio footage on YouTube of just them yeah. making it. And the fact that you, their 
in that video recording a song that didn't make it to the album, didn't even make it to a special edition. Like, it's like a B-side floating out there. Not even a B-side. It's like an unfinished thing. Seagull song, it's called, if you want to check it out. But yeah, yeah. I There's just something... And, they were, and, and, and a lot of them weren't getting along with each other either at the time. Yeah, which kind of like... It kind of bums me out that, that Jim didn't stick around. I I do like the fact that King for a Day turned out the way it did. And, sure, you know, obviously, if they had to part to keep Faith No More going, something had to change. But so, it just cuts me to my core to think that Jim wasn't into this because this has some of my favorite Jim moments like and, yeah. and solos. But I, I suppose he preferred the more guitar-oriented, upfront approach of the real thing, and you know that's that's fine. But uh, Jim will always hold a special place in my heart because he was always like, he was always the misfit metalhead in the group that liked metal that much more than everybody else, and I always felt like yeah. that growing up because like I was the metalhead in a group largely comprised of like not even music fans. Like my cousin was the only other like real rock guy in the group so i had him yeah but yeah i feel i feel like to a certain extent in most of my life i felt like a gym yeah i, I just <laughs> i you know because it's all it's, i'm always the one that's that's kind of the uncool one i mean maybe not necessarily all the time but there's been plenty of times in my life where i felt like this guy that i'm like oh everyone's kind of looking at me like i'm the one that's not as cool I like to think that, uh, you know, I would have a like surreal lucid dream one day where I experience the uh, weird naked Indian scene. But instead of Jim, Mar- Jim Morrison, it's Jim Martin. Say, like, yeah, I've, I, from Wayne's World, too. I'd love that. That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Um, I'm Jim Martin. Who's that? A weird naked Indian, <laughs> like, like just out in the fucking desert. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wayne's World turns thirty this year too. Holy, oh, damn! <laughs> yep, actually, actually turns uh, turns thirty on Monday. Well, well, actually, it will be when you're li- watching and listening to this the Monday that just passed, um, Valentine's Day. Tomorrow, tomorrow, oh, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. My favorite movie turns thirty years old, and I didn't know. Well, I don't know when it came out in the UK, but in the, in the US, it came out on, on February 14th. I wasn't even fucking alive. I'm counting the original date. Okay. Yeah, like, oh. But <laughs> anyway, back to Faith No More, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my so I, we, we talked about this album a lot already, um, but those of you who didn't hear the, the Faith No More podcast, go listen to it. But this album was super important to me because it opened my mind to a whole lot of shit because I was into Faith No More already. But I remember getting this album when it came out and just listening to it a lot mm. and just tr- wrapping my head around everything. But even though it seemed like it was a little bit over my head at the time, it, it was very, there was something very compelling about it that made me keep listening to it over and over again. And it very quickly became a favorite. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't just giving you the same old shit. So if you wanted them to do another song that sounded like Epic, you weren't going to get it. Mm-hmm. And, but it's just an amazing album that, and it is, and it is one that like, it is interesting to, to, to hear people, you know, 
after the fact be like, oh yeah, hugely influential album. Like, where, where, where the fuck were you when it came out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, Kerrang! magazine over here even called it uh, the most influential album of you know the bands at the time because you know it was like all new metal bands. I think this was like two thousand and three or something. So they were very quick to call you know Faith No More very influential. Which is interesting because if 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 anything directly re, you know, influenced new metal, it would be Epic and not anything off of uh, Angel Dust. Yeah, I know it's but, strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean maybe you maybe Corn could throw maybe you could take Corn and be like I could see how they were influenced by both. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean that's I mean that's another thing they don't want to have anything to do with knowing <laughs> that they're they have any kind of responsibility for um, <laughs> for new metal. But I you know you know me, I don't have any problem with most. Well, with a, some new metal, I have no problem with it. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a lot to add. It's one of my favorite albums ever. It ended up being my number one just because I. It's the one that like you, I look at it and I'm just like, God, this album is just fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's never it's never become less fantastic to me. I still listen to it and go, man, if, if only. I had one one tenth of the talent that those dudes had, at like writing stuff. Mm. Um, then, uh, yeah, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> but uh, I doubt few mortals do. That's true. Like, that's very true. There's few albums that that that. That's why I said it's like hard to categorize because I mean that's why I would just if somebody said, well, what is it? I'm like, it's a rock album. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, you know maybe you could throw you could throw, once you get past that you're just throwing tons of words on top of yeah, it yeah it's like <laughs> it's just like what genre is this you tell me <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's faith no more rock yeah um so yeah that's a man that's that's a hell of a fucking year to talk about so like so you said you had honorable mentions I'll list them off quick you know I'm, I'm blow through them because you might you might you know name a few that were in my honor you already you already did one of my honorable mentions was uh what what the fuck did you say there was one you did earlier that was one of my honorable mentions oh Rage Against the Machine yeah was one of my honorable mentions almost made the top ten but go ahead list off some of your honorables cool so uh I picked the fifteen that mean the most to me. <laughs> 15 yeah <laughs> and, all right everybody <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna quickly like i'm gonna do like one sentence for why i like it so much Ad- okay adrenalized by def leppard it's basically okay. basically hysteria too but i love a lot of the songs on it and okay i remember saying uh in the def leppard episode we did go check that out uh, oh yeah, we did do uh, a two-parter, I believe. Two-parter, two-parter on Def Leppard. Uh, I had a badass mm-hmm. experience where I was driving to college, and I came over the hill during that part in White Lightning, where the guitar goes down, 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 down. Came over the hill the moment the sun peeked over the horizon, and it was like something out of a fucking eighties action movie. I might as well have been nice. in a helicopter, you know. <laughs> um, bricks are ha- just just so, nope. just so you know that's a, that was more than one sentence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a passionate moment. I'll I'll let take it- take your take your time, sir. We're not we're not forcing anybody to stay here. Okay, so bricks are heavy. L seven, okay. killer, all female uh, grunge band, and this is one of their best records. Banger after banger, love it. Broken by Nine Inch Nails, 
the most metal thing they ever did. Great. That's a great one. That that, that one, I, it was easy for me to leave it off because I'm like, oh, that's an EP. I, can, I don't even have to think about Broken. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dehumanizer by Black Sabbath. The um, technically final Dio-fronted Sabbath album, if you're not counting yeah. the Heaven and Hell uh, album. Uh, not Heaven and Hell. The Heaven and Hell band that they would do later on. Yes. Yeah. Killer album. We also we also did Black Sabbath ranking. Go back and listen to those. I think that's a three part. That's a three part. We did we did do that. That's that's going to be like the bulk of the episodes going forward. It's just us telling them to check out the other episodes. Check out this other episode we did. Yeah. Um, Dog eat dog by Warrant. A prime example of um, pretty underrated album too. I think it's a lot better than people people talk about. I consider it their their finest moment. Um, you know, it's it's a damn fine record. Um, yeah, Incesticide by Nirvana is a B-sides and rarities collection, but it's... so that that would have been in my top ten if I hadn't looked at it as a compilation. Yeah, so because I love that album. Uh, Meantime by Helmet. Need I say more? You covered that yep, one. I did. Psalm sixty nine by Ministry. You know, it's oh, that's a good one. It is because it's it, again, it's one of those rule breaker albums where it's like, what the fuck, dude? I love this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, this one almost took the 10 spot and that's push by grunge truck oh that's a good one too yeah super underrated grunge album Mm -hmm. check that out it's like the it's like the middle ground between alice in chains soundgarden and stone tumble pilots yeah um revenge by kiss oh yeah Uh, yeah that's a great one Sap by Alice. We also we also did a Kiss uh, three parter. Go back and listen to it. And there are other videos that we did from Kiss around the same time where we do where we weren't doing a visual thing, but I made visual videos of like the best bits from the episodes. And you know what? I put a lot of work into these things, and you motherfuckers don't even go and watch them and listen to them. So just go do it. Listen, listen right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Sweet Oblivion by Screaming Trees. All right. Yeah. As uh, a good grunge album, uh, the Chronic by Dr. Dre. I, I, yeah, another another almost ten spot. Um, the Crimson Idol by Wasp, uh, concept album, really cool stuff, and the Ritual by Testament, who we literally just talked about <laughs> last time. So yeah, yeah. so there's That's, I didn't write mine down. Um, you didn't mention the uh, d- debut album by Body Count, which is oh uh, fuck yeah, I love that album, dude. fucking awesome album. Ah, uh, I can't remember what else I left off. Like that's that's how much I didn't want to trouble myself with it. That I had this long ass list and and I put together my top ten and then I just deleted the. I was like, get delete that. I'm just like I don't <laughs> want to think about it anymore. Oh, the the end of Silence by Rollins Band. That's another fucking amazing album. Ooh that I had to leave off, but um, there's a lot. There's so much mm. good shit from 1992. That's why I'm now doing a series of videos every month called uh, 30 Years Ago This Month, and I talk about what happened that particular month 30 years ago. So uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast and you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, you should go do it because I do other videos too. And very soon, Mr. Edward Sparks is going to be up and running again with his awesome-ass shit on youtube back at it people we're we're getting the studio set up we're getting we're getting the the money in 
We're gonna have some fine ass bitches up in here. <laughs> we're we're gonna have a full on clout house in a minute, people. We are just gonna be on the grind, making killer content. Put finally putting some music out there too that I've oh, been shit. sitting on, sitting on for a long time. All right, this, this is gonna I be a been, big year. Yeah, it will. This will be, this will be nineteen ninety two two. Electric Boogaloo. Noise. Okay, I like yeah. that. On that note, let's uh, let's yeah. si- let's sign off for this particular episode because this is a, this is a long one. But you know, some of you, it's deserving. Uh, yeah, it's deserving. But also, some of you, um, I think, don't mind our episodes being longer. But um, I think for the casual yeah. listeners, is probably <laughs> a bit overkill. Um, but uh, it's okay. It drowns out the screams. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> All right, so yeah, so we're, uh, we're we'll sign off. That's our our top tens of nineteen ninety two. Thank you for watching, uh, peanut butter platypus, to all of you out there. Um, I apologize for all of my horrible coughing and annoyingness in the beginning. It seems like that's kind of cleared up. And um, next time you the hear, lozenge was very effective. My uh, yeah, <laughs> and next next time we, uh, we we you hear me, um, I should be completely over my cold, and we should be good. And that's good because we are going to be starting the ranking an epic ranking of one of my favorite mm-hmm. bands of all time. So get ready. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know what to, <laughs> what else to say. It's going to be fucking great. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and that starts next week. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining us for another episode of Cranked and Ranked. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to my good friend, Eddie Sparks to take us out. You're perfect, yes, it's true. Love me later, dude.